everybody. This is Eric Kasloff, and welcome to Hey, Can I Pitch You Something? And this is my counseling service where I bring on screenwriters and help them flesh out their story. I am not promising that I'm going to get their script made. I'm not promising that I'm going to show their script to my representation. All I'm doing here is helping people make their story real. It is a Instagram, it is a YouTube channel, and it is also a podcast. Now, we have a pretty special episode. If you watch anything I do on the internet, you know that I have to have Larry Sands involved. How's it going, Larry? Good. How are you, Eric? This sounds exciting. Yeah, you know, this has been a lot of fun. Our guest who we're about to have on. Hey, Michael, how's it going? Hey, what's up, guys? Good. So Michael and his brother were on the very first episode, which was on Instagram. And as soon as I figure out how to download it and get it up, it'll be on this new podcast that's part of the Something Something Podcast Network. But Michael's brother could not make it. So before he he's going to be pitching something different. But guys, I want to talk to you really quick about this thing I wrote on my blog called Don't Shoot the Screenwriter. <laughs> a take on that, you know, that old saying, don't shoot the messenger. Right. So, guys, I watched this movie a couple days ago. It was a Bigfoot found footage movie. So right okay. away, it's got me intrigued. Me and Larry do a podcast called Something About the Unknown, where... We talk about ghosts, UFOs, cryptics. We had a pretty well-known Bigfoot hunter on. Now, guys, I'm going to talk about what this movie's about. And please give me a, yeah, that sounds cool when I say it, okay? So I get to the bad part of it. Now, I really liked the movie up until a point. I was rooting for this movie. So, found footage horror, yay or nay? Larry? Yeah. Absolutely. Yay all the way. Uh, it's getting a little tiresome. Okay. So it had it, a... It, Go on. Uh, what, it was done pretty well with the Blair Witch Project and a few other projects, and I think it's kind of ran its course. This came out in 2012, so it was right okay. when it was about right to die. There. But... Yeah. I like found footage, so check for me. The next one, small town setting in the um, the northwest, like the Seattle area. Again, check for me, small town, perfect place to set a horror movie. Michael, agree or disagree? Uh, check 100%, perfect place. Larry? Ditto and ditto. A okay. thousand percent, yes. Likeable characters. Let me explain. The actors were not, it didn't feel like the actors <clears throat> were acting. It felt like they were just the people. There were no slack jawed yokels. It was, they were acting like regular people. Michael, yay or nay, check or uncheck to that? Uh, check, 100%. Larry, check or uncheck? Check. And I would think for found footage, and this is kind of like a thing, but 
Uh, I think we're, uh, if you're doing a found footage, I think in order to pull off a found footage, you absolutely have to be able to pull off 100% non-acting acting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the screenwriter yeah. has done a really good job so far. In this very cheap, low-budget movie, they had a car crash. Oh, wow. Yeah. In this low-budget found footage movie, they had some pretty good gore. Nice. In yeah. this low-budget found footage movie, they had a helicopter in three scenes, not just flying overhead, but parked on the ground. Larry, how mm -hmm. hard was it for us to find cars for Hillsborough Road? <laughs> it's super, super duper hard. I, it's, it was... It was harder to find a car than to get the film made. Let's just put it that yeah, way. And we were lucky that we didn't have to pay for our cars. It was all right. volunteered. It was just yeah. the, the actors couldn't turn the ignition on. They, they, right. they, just, they got to sit in it. So again, right. though, low-budget found footage movie, car crash, helicopters. Are you guys think good it, acting, great location? The this sounds amazing. The screenwriter yeah. did a really good job. You want to know what the only <clears throat> downfall of this movie was, Michael? What? A CGI Bigfoot. Oh, okay. And not <laughs> even, like, good CGI, like, laughable CGI, where okay. it, it pulled me out of the movie. Mm. And instead of rooting for the movie... I was hate watching it like, oh, come on. So that's what got me to thinking because this this particular podcast, I'm not going to talk about directing or editing or casting, producing. It's 100 percent based on screenwriting and maybe, you know, having novelists on. And my whole thing is as a regular moviegoer, yeah, you can judge the movie as a whole. When I watch a movie, as Michael and Larry know, I watch it as three different people, the director, the editor, and the writer. And recently, the writing part of me has been stronger and stronger. And I've just come to this term now where if a movie tanks, you can't blame the screenwriter. I mean, if a movie script sucks, it sucks. But yeah. when it comes to a decent movie... You cannot blame the screenwriter for it going bad. Yeah, I mean, you never really hear somebody go, man, that movie, that writing was horrible. Actually, sometimes it could, but more times than not, it's like, man, the acting and that was horrible. Did, I don't like how the, the director directed these people. Where they find the, and really a lot of it rests with the actors, I think, because you don't really think about, the directing too much and until something really glares at you. But most of the time it, it, to me, like you watch something and you go, man, that, that really was a stupid movie. Right. Now, Michael, as just a person <clears throat> who's a big film buff, a cinephile, if you know the term, that's like a French word for movie freak. When you're watching a movie, how do you watch it? Like, what stands out badly about a movie to you? 
Uh, for me, I would say probably the dialogue. If the dialogue isn't very convincing or it sounds like it'll it'll mm. take me out of a movie because it'll be like, that's not how people talk in real life. You know, right. that's that's something that kind of gets on my nerves. Uh, yeah, j- just uh, Larry, to ask you a quick question just about what you were saying earlier about screenwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you take the, the prequels of Star Wars? Because a lot of people say that those were good those were a lot, all good actors, but kind of they were saying terrible, terrible screenwriting. You know, was, you kind of that blame George Lucas for that, for that dialogue. Oh, yeah. No, I, I blame George, George Lucas squarely, not only for the dialogue, but the, uh, the talk about horrible CGI. I mean, come on. Okay. The whole movie was shot on freaking green screen. People, please. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, actually, you're really spoken like a true screenwriter or a writer in general, which, I was gonna say. you know, when you watch something, you know, it's like what you said. You pick out the dialogue and you go, man, that, that they don't talk like that. They wouldn't talk like that, you know, for the situation or wherever or whatever. And so that's an interesting viewpoint because, um, uh, like, I know for me, like, I watch the editing and the music. And, mm-hmm. and, and even more so now, even with commercials, they're really bad at like syncing up diet, like their mouth and the voiceover, especially with those medicine commercials, like the, uh, you know, like the, the prescription medicine. And, and a lot of times it's like, it's just not good. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. For me, it's, it's probably the editing and the music is, and you know, sometimes like camera movement, you know, it kind of, why did they do that? It didn't fit a lot of times, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, you're watching stuff, but yeah, but no, I, I blame George Lucas for the prequels. They, they, they don't exist in my book. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, Before we get to yeah. Michael's pitch, I think we could all agree. At least they're better than the sequel trilogy. Uh, yes, I will agree with oh. that. Okay, wait. That. Do you mean like the Force Awakens and all that? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, you got. It. I'm, I'm done. We're, we're done here. Well, at I least can't. the prequels were going somewhere. It was like yeah. they had. I feel like they had something to say. They had something to say. They were about world oh, building. Yeah. You know, where I heard the uh, sequels had. There was, there was nothing there. There was no world that they were building up or anything. You, you know why I like the the second prequels, right? The Force Awakens, stuff like that. I, and I, I actually know this for a fact because every time I talk about the the second prequels, right? The last three or 15, whatever. Trilogy. Yes. Yeah. And, and I say, man, I loved it because they went back to um, uh, the practical stuff, practical yeah. effects, practical sets. Um, and not, yeah, I, I, I was just, yeah, yeah. And, and I, for story, man, I would have dug the, the George Lucas prequels if it didn't look like a CGI. So so clean. <laughs> right. That's the thing. I mean, come on, you know, I get it, but George Lucas, you just took, you know, the middle three star Wars, these iconic pieces of film. 
and you did a great in, injustice by putting those that prequel together and you yeah. did it bad yeah but i i love jj abrams though i i like his star trek stuff i just dig it you know but but i think that you know when i do shoot when i do film because i like movement i like all that stuff and i think that's one of the things that really like i like about um the the last three the the disney prequel uh, sequels um so yeah that's my two cents now that we got that out of the way um now michael Uh, can i ask you guys eric can i ask you a quick question before we go on yeah uh you were saying earlier about that um that movie, that found footage movie about Bigfoot. Yeah. And you're seeing how it really upsets you when you saw the CGI, uh, oh, yeah. bad CGI. So as a person that's, you know, I, I guess I consider myself a cinephile is, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, you are, you are. <laughs> so <laughs> what I'm curious about is what would have been more practical, like budget wise to do CGI or to do, a guy in a costume. A guy in a instead of having the helicopter, whatever you okay. spend for that, sure. get a get a Bigfoot costume. And if it looks bad, do like they did in Jaws, just show it a little bit. That's the deal. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm talking okay. about. Yeah, I mean, look, they, look, if if Jack Link could do it for their beef jerky, I mean, come on. <laughs> that, that's because, a really good costume. That's a really good costume. You know, exactly. everything. That's exactly. a really good costume. Exactly. And it probably and cost them more on that costume than this movie did. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So when Michael and his brother were on the show last Wednesday, they pitched a pretty cool slasher movie, that which we went on to call Murder High. And it's a really fun slasher movie, but Michael's brother wasn't able to make it, and he didn't feel right pitching the rest of the movie without him. So you have another movie. Uh, like It's one we talked about a long time, a few weeks ago. Yeah, and weeks have ago. you worked on it more since then? Yeah. Uh, it really was hard for me to, to break the story down. Um but I think I kind of got something. It's not a lot, but it's it's something. Uh, so okay. do you just want me like to start from the beginning of what Crazy Papo is? Yeah, well, um, for those of you listening, that would mean Crazy Grandfather in English. Okay, okay so um, let's hear it. Pitch well, us we something. Could do, we could, you could call it P-O-P-O. I guess that would be Popple too, right? Okay. Well, this pitch us something. All right. Uh, so, Crazy Popple is about uh, a young family. It's about a father and his daughter. She's probably about five or six years old, and she's uh, she doesn't. Oh, he froze up. All right, there was a connection loss for a second. So uh, she doesn't talk. It's a struggle for the family. It's a struggle for him and her to connect 
because there's no communication. He also kind of comes from a broken home. We don't really know a lot about this, about his past. She starts drawing pictures of things, things that she shouldn't know about. Like uh, one picture, this is actually something that Eric came up with. And I kind of like it. I would like to go forward with it is her. She draws like real. She draws very beautifully and she has a talent for it. And one of the things is that she draws that kind of disturbs her teachers when they call in her father is like this bloodied animal, you know, and it's a bloodied animal. It's kind of like hanging up and teachers are like, what is this? And they ask the father to kind of like, you know, what's going on? Is everything okay at home? He looks at the picture. It's something pretty disturbing, but he knows what it is. He knows what this is. He kind of knows the connection, but he doesn't understand how does his daughter know what this is? Because this is not something that she was around. Basically, it's a deer that was hunted killed and skinned and skinned you know this is something a hunter does keep going um okay so what's revealed is that she is being visited by i guess you could call an imaginary friend that she calls her bopple. Uh And I guess if you do want to use it as another language, yeah, maybe that would work better because why does she call him bopple when she shouldn't have any knowledge of this thing, but somehow she calls him bopple. I don't know, maybe in letters or in writing pictures and stuff like that. When she's like, maybe she's making a drawing of him, she says bopple on it. You know, and it's like, well, how does she know what Bapo is? Because she doesn't know our uh, my language or something like that. Uh, so the big kick was um, the thing that me and Eric talked about that I don't think that could be done is in my original version, he was married. Uh, and you find out that his father... Um, Eric, do you want me to go on with this, or is this like yeah. kind of no? Go right. on, with it. go on with it. So the a little controversy, but he, you find out that his wife was raped by her by her father in law, and the daughter is actually not his daughter, but it's actually his half sister. And crazy, basically, the old man died before she was born. And now he has some kind of psychic connection with her where he's being able to haunt her. And I guess the idea is basically he wants to possess her so he could live again. Um, obviously, you know, I don't want to go that route, you know, because Eric said, you know, that's. Just way too ugly. Nobody's going to want to, you know, you can't get something like that ever made. So in my mind is I figured maybe we could take out the wife. There is no wife. 
and basically you find out that it's basically his mother and father's daughter. Uh, basically his full sister. And he comes he comes home one day to check on his mother because he hasn't heard from her in a while. And he finds that the mother and father, basically the father killed the wife, the mother, and killed himself after the baby was born. Um, that's so far basically all I got. Okay. So now I'm glad you didn't go the rape route with her keeping the baby and all of that because yeah. it wouldn't make logical sense for her to go on with that. Now, sure. does does the little girl know that's her brother and not her dad? Uh... I can't see why. I would think she would think that it's her dad. Um, I would say maybe they have a strained relationship just because of her communication skills. But, you know, he does care for her. But I think it's just very uncomfortable. And then hopefully at the end, it gets resolved. And, you know, she you hear her say, call him dad. And, you know, it's it is his sister, but he's going to... It's his, he was going to raise her as a daughter. Yeah. Okay, Larry, thoughts? Wow. That's, uh, that's really, uh, how long have you been thinking about that? Uh, not very long, to be honest with you. Uh, probably I came up with the idea maybe just a couple of months ago. How how did you come up with the idea? What what sparked that idea? Uh, hmm. Um. Well, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, uh, the recent uh, passing of my father. Really? Yeah. Wow. 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 I mean, it's, it's the, the, the way you, you talked about the story and I mean, it, it feels, and now that, that you say that it's, it's pretty powerful, you know? Um, and whether I, I think, and what I find, what I'm finding more and more is that if you put a strain on, on what we perceive as art, as what we perceive as our creative outlet, mm -hmm. I think you do a great disservice to yourself as a creative person to not follow your idea your story and see it through because sometimes i think when we start stuff that we want to do but we find it kind of tapers off and we just don't finish it right. but but with with your story and in, in particular that it it seems what it sounds like it's mostly the idea is there right? right 
Sure. And, sure. and obviously, you know, when you, when you really dig into it, you know, you'll have your, your like little subplots and little, you know, rivers that go off and little storylines and stuff. But, but that, I mean, what you just said is like really, really powerful. And right, yeah, yeah, I think, and, and it's, it's heavy. Um, it's heavy anyway, but, but to have an inspiration from your father, I think, I mean, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know your relationship with your dad, but just having an inspired story is, um, again, it's, I, really powerful stuff so it's really good it's well, really uh, Larry let me kind of throw this at you because I kind of do have an idea for like kind of the ending and again it's just a nugget of an idea mm-hmm. but the way I kind of see how the movie ends is you know the uh, the entity of Crazy Popple is at his strongest Again, his connection to this world, why he's not in hell, is his connection to his daughter. Uh, I really haven't come up with a name yet or anything like that. But that's his connection to this world, what's keeping him there. And the Mm -hmm. stronger the connection comes, the stronger he becomes in this world. uh, Until the little girl severs the connection. And that's why I'm thinking like there's a part when it looks like all hope is lost and our characters are going to get, you know, destroyed or whatever you want to say it. She says something like, and I know it sounds kind of corny, but she says something like crazy Bobble, go back to hell. And that's what kind of con- cuts this, the connection between them two. And then you see the evil spirit or the, whatever you want to call it. And it gets dragged back down to hell. Wow. Wow, that's really actually when you were saying that and she was a connection, my mind started thinking horror movie deluxe because, you know, because the only way that that I mean, speaking horror horror movie, when you when you when you hear somebody say that you expect them to in their life, if they're the connection to the world. Right. Right. So that was that was a nice little plot twist that that it was, you know, I was thinking one way and I go, "Uh oh, and then all of a sudden you say it the other way. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. A little refreshing in a way. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So what's so what I liked so much about when we first talked about it was. It blurs the lines between a Blumhouse movie or an A24 movie. And I've talked about in the past how I don't particularly like A24 because it's always, it's a cult. Now, I really (laughs) liked when we first talked about it, you were saying about it being his daughter, but the rape thing being a very touchy subject. Um, How do you think we could work it where it is his daughter? Did you give 
Any thought about, remember when we talked about it maybe being the uncle, but that takes away your line at the end? Um, no, I guess I, I didn't really put that, that much uh, thought into it. Um, I guess the only reason, uh, I, yeah, I just don't really know. I, I think I'm just kind of stuck with the uh, the crazy bopple and the connection that it's, not his daughter, but it's his sister, and it's his. It's actually his father's daughter, and you know, I don't know. I guess that's where I'm just. I'm kind of stuck at. Well, let's work at it from both angles. So, she would would she still be calling him Bapo if it's her dad? Uh, I would feel like the creature or whatever you, the evil spirit or whatever you want to call it is basically manipulating her and letting okay. her believe what she wants to believe, that this is her Bopple. Yeah. You got to understand, when she sees him, Crazy Bopple, she sees like uh, a, a, like a, something nice. You know, yeah. she sees something very, you know, uh, you know, like a, a friendly old man, you know, somebody you would love for company, somebody you would love, you know, how you would picture your grandfather, I would imagine, any of us, how yeah. we would picture our grandfathers. But, you know, when other characters see the crazy Bopple, and remember, they never see him directly, not until, like, the third act, like, the end of the movie, they're only seeing, like, glimpses of him, like, yeah. you know, the corner yeah. of their eyes, and they just see something that seems very, I, I don't know how to explain it, but something very evil. Eerie. and Eer yes, yes, eerie. Now, how would you be willing to work in him having a wife or a love interest in the movie? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I guess I, I guess that would make sense. But also, maybe we need. To, but I guess I would want to focus on the relationship between them. But I could see, like, having a love interest. You have somebody. Him explaining all the difficulties he's going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you need what's called an audience surrogate. Right. Like if you have it, you know, she's going to a child psychiatrist. And you could okay. work in, you know, him and her beginning a relationship from there. But... Hmm. So, is the grandmother, would she be evil, too? Oh, Larry? No. Uh, I was going to say, what, do, what did you call it? An audience surrogate? Yes. Now, what is that? Is that like uh, um, your... You know, it's an audience surrogate is, okay, Larry, you're about to join this um, special elite force of the army. You've got superpowers you're the new, that's when the new person coming into the group finds out, you know, what goes on. Like, let's say. Oh, right, right, again, right. And just what I said, you're joining this elite secret government agency. And would it, would some, oh, go ahead, go ahead. And someone's teaching you all about what goes on in this secret government agency. The, the other people in the group, they already know everything. You know, right. this is how you use that gun. The audience, though, we don't know it. So we need someone who's going through it, who becomes our surrogate, teaching us the ways of everything. So if you have 
the again school counselor or childhood psychiatrist so you would need mm. to make her at least old enough to be in first grade where that okay. would happen because like kindergarten and stuff like that they wouldn't be sending them to a childhood psychiatrist but around first grade they would okay so that That's makes it. uh that makes her what's like seven like eight seven Seven. Uh, let's okay. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six, seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would say that works 100% for. Yeah. Cool. But again, it would be probably a 10 year old playing a seven year old. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. But now let's talk about the guy. What kind of guy is he? Is he like a. Does he have a big job, a small job? What, what's what does he do? Uh, I I never put too much thought into it, but um, the way I kind of envision it is the way I uh, I'm I envision the movie is kind of like like a sixth sense, uh, unbreakable kind of look. So I kind of see the character kind of just wearing like business casual suit so i guess i kind of look at him as a professional uh, you know a white collar job i never really kinda, uh, thought into uh and him being blue collar almost kind of like bruce willis in the sixth sense how he would wear his jacket yes and and, and a button-up shirt kind of open no tie sure sure 100 okay. percent. yeah that's kind of I'm sorry to cut you off, Michael. Go on. No, no, no. I, I was just agreeing with Larry, but yes, go ahead. Okay, here's what we're going to do. This is kind of like when we talked about Murder High. You okay. have a really cool concept, but we need to work on the character. Like, let's, this is a, I think this is a good example. We were talking about Star Wars earlier. Let's say you showed someone who's never seen Star Wars before Star Wars, but you cut out all the character moments and all the Luke Skywalker stuff and just show the explosions and the Death Star blowing up. It'll look okay. cool, but the thing is, we're not cheering the Death Star blowing up. What we're cheering is Luke, this farm boy who had nothing, who goes off on this great adventure, grows as a character, and then learns to trust this sacred religion that he didn't know, but he knew it existed, but he didn't know it personally. So it's the character growth of Luke Skywalker we're so excited about. So whenever it comes to screenwriting, like I, I always talk about what I do is first there's the germ of the idea. Then I think about the main character and do a mini character bio. So again, your concept is cool. Haunted kid movies always work. It's just that cool creepiness of pure innocence being corrupted by pure evil. Larry? Uh, I was going to ask you, and uh, for both you guys, really, um, if, if you do your characters well enough, 
and you give them a good backstory. But then as you give them the backstory and do your character development, will that help you? Will, will that help the story write itself, the script in a way write itself? Because you've done your homework with the characters and the relationships to everybody. Um, for me, it always helps because that's when the characters start doing, start saying no to me. Like, nope, mm. like, nope, I won't do that. You got to write it this way. So I wow. think what we should focus on right now is your main character. We need to mm -hmm. put flesh on him because right now he's just a skeleton that, you know, yeah. you're manipulating like a marionette. And you won't be able to go anywhere with your story till we give him a backstory, give him some flesh. Again, oh, let's think about, name a movie you like a whole lot, Michael. Off the top of your head, right. first one to pop in your head. Um, I guess just because maybe I said it already, but Unbreakable. Okay, Unbreakable. Let's talk about Bruce Willis's character whose name escapes me. He starts the movie as someone who doesn't know who he is. He's a yeah. little bit afraid of who he is. Then right. through this mentor that he finds, he slowly starts to become who he is and then dons, you know, his costume at the end of it and becomes the person he was supposed to be. Another example is the first Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indy starts the movie as an atheist. That's what he is at the beginning. But through the movie, he becomes stronger and stronger and then becomes a person of faith. He has character progression. You know, again, we could just show the cool parts of Indiana Jones to someone and it'll be, okay, that's cool. But when you show the character moments, especially in the third movie, the relationship with his dad, there's flesh to him. Everything he does means something. So let's talk about your main character. Give him a name. Give the, na give the main character a name. Um, Just a working not, name. Not, name. To, not to sound vain, but... Uh, I'll, let's call him Michael. Okay, let's go with Michael. Now, where is Michael from? Big city, small town, Midwest, South, North? You know, where is he from? I would say the East Coast. Okay, what does he want to be? I think he wants to be... He wants to be the very best at what he's at because he wants to escape his past. What's, what does his job, what does he want as a job like? Um, I guess uh, the only thing I could think of is something as a profession, uh, maybe a media consultant or something like that, but I don't know enough about media consultant. You know, uh, somebody basically works in advertising. Okay, that's good. Let's keep it like that. So we have a guy named Michael who's from an East Coast town who wants to be in advertising. What's his relationship like with his mother? 
uh, very strained. Okay, the what about? Father, I, would, I would say the father was very abusive and the mother didn't do much to, to help. Okay, see, we're getting more, your character is becoming more and more real to you now, right? Yeah, okay, 100%. Now, let's do some fun stuff with this character because this will all help. What's his favorite food? Uh, Chinese. Okay, great. What was his life like in high school? Uh, pretty miserable. I would say he had no confidence as a kid, so he was probably a bully, kind of an outcast. Uh, now, was he the bully or the bullied? The bullied. Okay, okay, so he's bullied at home, bullied at school, so... He's just waiting to escape to college, right? Yes. Does he go to college? Yeah, I would say he went to college, yes. Okay, so you see, we have this going. Was his sister that they have, was she an accident? Yes. Okay, so you see, we got this going now, so we know that our main character is named Michael from a small East Coast town who likes Chinese food. He was bullied at home, bullied at school. He goes away to college. That's going to let me let's put a pin in that because that's I'm going to have we're going to try to have that come back in. Now, let's talk about the grandfather. Now, is he just a bad guy or evil? Because there's a difference between being bad and being evil like is he into the occult is that his thing were there missing animals around the town they lived in missing children stuff like that uh to be honest with you i kind of see that he was just a bad person in life uh basically abused his son abused his wife uh i guess you could say he had a drinking problem uh i would say he was just a bad person in this life uh, well in, or in order for it to have a supernatural bent you're gonna have to add a supernatural thing to him like like there's something along those lines because just because he's a bad person doesn't mean he would be able to have this spiritual connection sort of a thing. But if you add in that he's somewhat into the occult, number one, it helps the script the cell because the quote Mufasu in Zoolander, occults are so hot right now. Uh, well, I mean... What if he was like a bad person in life and like you said, like we were saying earlier, the the daughter was a mistake. So basically when the wife wanted to go to the hospital, he refused, you know, he kept her inside for like the past six months. He wouldn't let her leave the house. So now he's kind of becoming evil. And then when the baby is born, 
you know, he doesn't want to take them to the hospital and he winds up, you know, killing his wife and then winds up killing himself. And there's just this baby kind of basically, you know, stuck in the house that would have died if her brother never came to check on his mother. I I agree with Eric. I think you have to. And it doesn't necessarily no, again, have Michael, to be. We're not trying to tell you how to tell oh, your story. Yeah, no, we're no. just trying to give you, you know, help with your story. You know, you can tell us to flip off and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take yeah. it and we'll try to mold it the way you want to go. But yeah, we're just, we want to help make your story as yeah. perfect as it can be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And, of course. And, and I think, I think if you look at it, like, you know, because I, I think you can to kind of talk about what Eric was talking about just now is I think you can kind of tell when somebody's trying to railroad you and go, no, man, you got to change it. and You got to do this. Right. But I think, and Eric and I, we do this a lot. We, we go back and forth and we, we throw out ideas and, and it's kind of amazing at what sticks. And what kind yeah. of click, you know? And and I'm glad that you're you're okay with with throwing out ideas, um, which is which is I think good um, in a, in a healthy creative way, because I think if it was just you know like you're holding it close to your vest, I I think that's where you kind of get in, into your own world. I think which in your okay. own world is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I think it, it helps to have at least like with, with editing and stuff, I think, um, you know, it helps to, to have eyes and, and to put a different spin on things, you know, right. uh, and a different, and again, different pair and of eyes. Lord willing, when this starts going out there to places, they're going to tell you to make changes and you're got to be oh, willing yeah. to go. Yeah. Oh, you want me to take all the water out of yeah. the Aquaman movie? Sure. You yeah. got it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I, I do think, oh, oh, I, well, I just think that I think you have to have, because as an audience, I think you, maybe, maybe when you write it, you, you show that there's a progression of, uh, eh, there's so many different ways because you know if if it's going to be a supernatural i think you have to introduce it in a way where where it starts out as you know and and it doesn't have to start at at the first page you know it could happen progressively and supernatural means so many different things yeah Right. Right. So let me ask you this. What if in Spider-Man, the original with Tobey Maguire, we just right away saw him with spider powers? Would that make sense? Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. That's not it's an origin story. So yeah, you well, no, you need story. the exciting, the the incident that brings it about. If this yeah, was just right yeah. it's almost like a backstory yeah but if if this was just a haunted house movie and a family moves in and the little girl starts seeing the old man then you could keep it that 
it's right. just what happened in the house that such a tragic event happened there that the spirits are stuck in the house. But when it's the haunting of a person, there needs to be a reason why to that. Like, um, you've seen the paranormal activity movies, right? Yeah. Okay, you know, and you know the reason why the girls have the oh, ghosts coming you. after them right, right. is because of the, the grandmother. So there right. needs to be a thing with that to bring in why the grandfather would be able to come back. All right. Um, one idea that you were saying that was like kind of, that kind of uh, got me pretty excited about was you were saying like maybe there's missing kids in the town. And I was just like, well, so your like your idea is like maybe the grandfather was a serial killer. What a supernatural bent, like animals and stuff like that. Like he can't just be bad. There needs to be a supernatural tent to him, like animal sacrifices, child sacrifices. Um, now again, you wouldn't do that. Right, right. Eric, I just had a great idea. Let's hear it. I just had a great idea. Okay, so the old man's a hunter, right? He hunts deer, stuff like that. Okay, he takes his son to go with him hunting, right? To kill the deers. But he's dragging his son. The son doesn't want it. This is when he's like a kid. The son doesn't really want to go with him, but he drags the little boy to come hunting with him. What if in one of the incidents, like you were saying, what if, yeah, he's not only hunting animals, what if he really was, he would find kids like playing in you know, alone or whatever in the woods or something, and then he would kill them. Like, and sometimes when he killed these kids, his son was with him. And he had, and the little boy had to watch, see that. Yeah. Uh, that That's that's all I got. I was like, I was just like, yeah, wow, like, that would I, be. I see the scene where it would play out. You know, he would be talking about watching it move. And you think mm -hmm. he's talking about a deer, but then boom, it's a child. Yeah. That he's talking wow. about. See again, but now you have to add their need. I know we keep harping this on you, but you okay. need to have a supernat of an evil intent, not just killing kids. There has to be a reason why he would be able to return to haunt his grand mm -hmm. his daughter. Well, like, um, I guess, like, something I was thinking about is, like, maybe there's something special about the little girl, too. Like, maybe she does have a little bit of a psychic ability. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to, like, sound like I'm copying anything, but maybe you could say, like, kind of like a shining kind of ability. Okay. And maybe We're, the grandfather had it too. And then okay, maybe that's see, why. There you go. See, now, yeah, now you're yeah, going away. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Let, let's say like the old man had like a third eye or something like that. Okay. And maybe see. like the, the young lady, the young girl, the daughter, she also has something like that. Maybe she's even a little bit more powerful, but she just doesn't know how to develop her powers yet. 
See, mm-hmm. now now you're going. And you could have a whole thing where it skips a generation. Yes. yes. And that's why that he never he never liked his son that much. Why he was so bad to him because he yeah. didn't he wanted to pass his gift on to his son. Right. And that's why so now communicate uh telepath like um I'm not saying the word right telepathy. Yeah. Yeah. That's how he that's the way he could connect. That's how he connects with the little girl with his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you do this, I think when you think of it in a in a, a global way, because I I I feel that, you know, seeing Eric and how he writes, and admittedly I'm not a screenwriter, but I can imagine when you try to throw a bunch of things in a hat and you try to pull it out, um, uh, it, it'll jumble up the story. But in the same, in the same aspect or sense of it, I think you have to, if you're looking at, at, you know, like the supernatural thing, I think you have to throw in all these ideas because as we're talking, I can, I can see and hear that you are just like starting to, you know, yeah. you're you're starting to process all this stuff, and that leads yeah. to new, uh, that leads to new um, ideas and new idea, avenues. Yeah, yeah. and and it's and I think it's too. Yeah. Now, let's yeah. talk yeah. about the way they die. Now that you're adding this, we have to. Now again, in a movie, will believe in telepathy. But the whole thing with the son just taking the daughter, what if you did this? What if the way they died was maybe like an accident, the old couple? Like, okay. you know, driving along and the the daughter, you, the, the grandfather and grandmother are arguing. Okay. And the baby, you know, maybe she's like, you know, just the baby at the time, three at the most. But, you know, a child can start crying when they see their parents arguing and fighting. And she does something where a car accident happens, killing the mother and father. Because you see now the son would have to come in and take her in. Okay, okay. Because a a big thing would be, again, we'll believe in telepathy and stuff like that. But we won't believe. Hey, how did he get her in school without a birth certificate? Sure, sure, yeah. But what do you think about adding that? Well, you see, I'll say what I like it because the problem I had when I was coming up with that, when I told you he just shows up one day and he sees that his parents are dead, is, first of all, that's too good of timing, so that's unbelievable. And another thing is, is I just don't think he would come visit his parents. You know, he was abused as a child by his father. His mother didn't really do anything to stick up for him. So I don't see him checking in on his parents, even though he hasn't seen anybody in like six months or whatever. Uh, So, yeah, I see that working. There's a car accident. You get a phone call. Hey, you got to come over here. There's been a gruesome accident. Okay, so you see, you went from a concept to now we have our main character, whose name is... Michael. Who's from a... Small, uh, a small eastern town. 
Who was, how was high school for him? Uh, miserable. How was his home life? Miserable. What's his favorite food? Chinese food. What does he want to be? What is he studying to be right now in college? He's studying? Uh, marketing. Okay, so now we have a character who we could bring on this journey. You know what, right. you see what I mean? Right. So, uh, so he's college age, about to graduate when he gets custody of his, of, of the girl. That's... And then when we see him, it's, she's like seven years later, six or seven years later. Yeah. So he would be well into his career. His career. Yes. I okay. see him being like a success at it. Yeah. Not super successful, but he's rising. And I do think either. Yeah, I think we should go to this again. Your thing. Do you want him to have a wife off the bat or do sparks fly with him and the school teacher or school counselor? I, I kind of like the school counselor thing. I kind of like the school counselor thing. Uh, the reason why uh, I like that because, you know, it's a it's something about that just seems kind of exciting. And I like the idea that we were that I was throwing and you were like, I could see him telling the story to a therapist, you know, to a psych, to the therapist and, you know, her basically her interpret, her interpreting it, you know, that it wasn't, you know, an animal that was a child. Yeah. Okay. So you see how we're going along now is your story starting to breathe easier. Like, yeah. Would you say it came from being in a smoke-filled room to coming outside? Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty good, actually. Okay, now that we're outside with this and we're able to breathe, let's keep going with it. Um, What is the little girl like in school? Oof, that's a good one. I, I mean, say, like, if somebody... Uh, if one of the little kids teases her or something, does something happen to them? Um, yes, because the difference is where he would get bullied and kind of just take it, she's the opposite. If somebody tries bullying her, even though she doesn't talk, if, if somebody tries bullying her, she stands up for herself. And kids know not to mess around with her because if you mess around with her, something bad's going to happen to you. Now, let me ask you this. Would it be creepier if that's not, you know, we see her fighting, but it's just a kid teases her, he's on the playground, and right. then something happens to him. Right. Something he's playing on the swings and mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. swing snaps and he falls. Something like that. Yeah. Or maybe one of the teachers to. So, I mean, is it her physically doing it or using her powers to do it? Uh, I would say powers. Yeah. Okay. See, now we're going along with her. What else do you see happening in this? Uh, what do you mean? 
like overall, give me some of your big scenes, like your big scare scenes, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I the only scene that I had in my mind is um is like this scene where you see her in her room kind of having like a tea party. And again, you know, in her mind, she sees this, you know, very grandfather-like character. And uh, that that's, you know, she's just basically having a tea party in, in a little, with her chairs and tables and stuff like that. And then you have the, you know, the brother slash father, whatever you want to call him. He basically comes in and again, you don't see anything. You just see some kind of, evil dark spirit and it's only there for like a second yeah you know you see something like very hideous sitting next to her and he's like you know he comes checks on her and there's nothing there obviously when he's looking at it you know it was just like on the corner of his eye and he's like you know who are you you know who are you talking or who are you playing with and then you know that's like maybe you know she writes crazy popple or something like that Okay, now what is his real? Oh, Larry. Oh well, I was just gonna ask how important, especially when you when you're writing uh, like a, a supernatural or a horror or a slasher film, how important is it to have thought out um, uh, your your death scenes, your chase scenes, your gruesome scenes, or do you let the story kind of tell itself and then in the, in the story you find your, your kill scene? With me, when it's a slasher, it's during the storytelling. Okay. Okay. So you don't um, think of it and then try to put it in. That would be horrible. No, no, because then you're trying to fit a square peg into a triangle. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's a really great idea, and then you're like, ooh. See, but then again, it's just the kill. It has to be the impact of the kill, the character. Ooh, spoken like a true screenwriter, that one. Awesome, okay. Again, the Death Star just blowing up is cool, but it's Luke's journey to blowing up the Death Star. Right, exactly. So yeah. what is yeah. his relationship like with his sister? Uh, I would say their relationship is pretty strained. Uh, that, that's really all I have. Uh, it's pretty much a strained relationship. Maybe she wants to be closer to him. Maybe he wants to be closer to her. But maybe he's, you know, just too traumatized from his past. Maybe he's a little afraid of her, too. You know, because uh, she, where he is more like his mother's son, he sees the father in her. Hold on. Sorry about that. Okay, so... Why would she have a tea set if their relationship is strained? Oh, I, I think she's still taken care of. You know, he still provides for her. You know, he wants to have a good relationship with her, but I think it's just 
it's hard, especially with her not communicating. It's hard for okay. him to develop some kind of uh, a deeper relationship with them. Okay, I'm liking this. Yeah. Okay, what's his life like now? Does he have any friends, or is it work? No, I, I kind of feel like I feel even though he's not in school anymore, he still can't really escape his past. So he's 100% focused on his business. You know, he's his he's a workaholic. He's a workaholic because he doesn't want to think about his personal life basically, which is is not in the best, you know, not in the best uh situation. He what? has no girlfriend. He has a strained relationship with his sister/daughter and he has no friends. Okay, now when the counselor comes in, does he get like right away close with her or is it a slow progression? Oh, wow. I don't know. I, I, I would probably want to know what you would think. I would say it starts slow as just, bit per, you know, like business-like, but then slowly move it towards a romantic angle. Now, here's is another she, thing. Hmm? Is she pursuing the romantic relationship, or is it him? I think it's mutual. Okay. Okay, I see um, that. What does he want more than anything? Does he want to be the get over all of this and be close to his sister? Yes, 100%. Okay. What happens to everybody after the movie? Oof, wow. I feel like he, the main character, I feel like he is able to be able to develop as a person where he kind of is moves on from the past and that there is some sort of uh, a connection between him and his sister where, you know, they're finally starting to bond or you could see the they're going to be fine after the, after everything. Does he get together with the counselor? Yes, unless she dies. You see, that her would dying cool. that would be pretty cool if she dies at the end. You see, that would turn an audience off. You think so? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. People would want, oh, why did she have to die? Okay. Okay. You well, can well, have to die. She was in mortal danger, but she, said, but she no, got saved have, at the last minute. Yeah, have people die. Have a lot of people die if you want, yeah. you know, but... It's little things like that that will turn an audience off. Mm -hmm. Now, can we add something? Would you, how would you feel about adding something that shows his fear that at the like maybe some at the end of the movie we can see a physical thing that he's changed? Like maybe he doesn't open his windows; he's always keeping them closed. Like for okay. or he's oh he always keeps his door locked or something like that. That at the end, you know, the little girl's talking now. She's having a birthday, and he does something he normally wouldn't do, like open up a window. 
unlock a door, something like that. Because you have your... I'm sorry, go ahead, uh, Eric. Because you have your cool thing of the little girl fighting off the, the grandfather, but you need... That's your penultimate image before your final image. What is the final, like, scene you see? Like, well, remember in Poltergeist, them pushing the TV out of the hotel room? Okay, okay. Yeah, it's something cool. like that. Uh, yeah, I would... I have to really think about... Like, I was just thinking about what you were saying about the window. It would be kind of cool that if you see that the father, the evil Bopple, he used to maybe get the kids, he used to get the kids from out through the window. You know, mm. so maybe that's where his fear comes, where he mm. always okay. locks the window. Yeah. You know, yeah. Even though he lives on a two-story, a two-story, three-story house, yeah. is his apartment, and he's, but he still locks the window because yeah. he remembers that how the father used to climb through the windows and used to get the kids out. Yeah, that would be pretty. I think that would be pretty good. I don't know. Cool. I guess that's that's where I would think that's where that fear of windows came from. I guess that's awesome. Yeah, go with that. Uh, but how you know what would be different is I don't know. Maybe. Oh my God! Hold on. What if like you do something like this? They they finally make it home at night, and the little girl axes. Could she sleep sleep in his room tonight? Okay, and that shows that they're close again, right? Yeah, yeah. And then she says, it's hot. Can you open the window? And he's like, of course. That's perfect. That's your final image, yeah. Okay, that's, yeah. That's, that's 100% cool. your final image. All right, okay. we've yeah, gone yeah. about an hour. So what I think you should do is... um. So I'm going to download this and put it up tomorrow on the Hey, Can I Pitch You Something podcast and YouTube. I'll send it to you. Go okay. over it again with a pen and paper. Make notes. And then we'll pick up next Wednesday and we'll see how far you've come. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Very cool. Hey, man, that was great. I think you're on. I think. Uh, first of all, Eric, I think you're great. Um, I think you have, I think you have great, uh, great teaching skills, great observation skills, uh, great ideas. And I tell you what, man, your your story and what you came up with and what you have and the way that it's just developed in this past hour, actually, man, I, I'm telling you, you're on to something. And and just to be able to go with the flow and, and these new ideas coming at you. And I, 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 I hear it. I see it. You're like, Oh wait, Oh wait. It's like a light bulb goes off in your head. And that's what yeah. it's about. Honestly, it, man. So, really so good is. job, dude. Good job. Good yeah, job. You're the complete opposite of this guy. I was in a screenwriting class with and now again, my favorite day in school, especially during screenwriting was always pitch day when people would get up and pitch a movie. And again, a, nine, a lot of times there were these 
first-time screenwriters pitching these $300 million tentpole movies, Larry. And it's like, okay, do you want that to be your calling card movie? Again, I say that as someone who's writing a big-budget family movie, but I kind of have a way to maybe get it done. But there was this one guy who was completely stubborn. We kept trying to help him with his story, but he kept saying, nope, I'm writing it the way I want. Nope, I'm writing it the way I want. And I'll tell you, no one liked him because he wouldn't listen. And you're doing a good job, Michael, at listening. You're still standing up for what you want, but you're willing to listen and you know, change when need be. And again, you came in here with a concept not a story. Yeah. And yeah, I think I now, you know, you have a main character. What I would recommend next is think about the school counselor. Like, you okay. know, what yeah. she's like, what her, not that we'll see her backstory in the movie at sure. all, but you need to know her backstory, you know, where she's from where she went to school, little things sure. like that about her because it makes her a stronger character other than just, you know, a marionette. Right. It makes so her real. What I think you should do is, you know, get yourself a notebook tomorrow and start taking notes and make this real and we'll join back with you next week around this time. Okay, sounds great, guys. Uh, I just want to say yeah. this was very cool, very exciting. I love everybody's insight. Larry, Eric, you guys really are brilliant. You know, it's uh, it's you. very cool to have an idea and have professionals kind of going over your idea and telling you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my and you know, going over your ideas and kind of saying, you know what, it's not that bad. That's really cool. You know, it's a really cool kind of exciting, very, very exciting. Right wow. now, again, Mike, don't hang up when I give the sign off. This okay. thing on, so we do it. All right, everybody. Um, again, if you would like to book a session with me, the email is it's going to be in the description of this because I spelt the email wrong. But when it comes up right, I will put it right in the video if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're listening just on the podcast, Future Eric, put the email, the correct email in right now. Okay, everybody. Well, thank you for listening and can't wait for next week.